Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 48. We're in the midst of the conference finals. Phoenix has moved on, and Milwaukee and Atlanta are getting ready to play game number five. Today's show being brought to you by DraftKings. McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. That's because DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of UFC. They're giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. Now, for this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is really easy to play. All you have to do, pick six fighters, standard the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. No better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. And of course, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, it's McGregor versus Poirier, the rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code TBPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is episode 48 and very excited for today's show because today's friend of the program is Rick Kamla. You can hear him on Sirius XM NBA radio channel 86 along with Antonio Daniels on the Give and Go show which airs one o'clock Eastern. Uh, during the week on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, I've been on Rick's show. I've known Rick for a number of years, going back to when he was at NBA TV. He would call some summer league games, and then I would follow him uh, and then call some more summer league games. So I got to know Rick. His knowledge of the NBA is is unparalleled and uh, a great conversation. We touch on a number of topics. Uh, just one caveat, we recorded it on Wednesday. So it came before game six of the Clipper Phoenix series. And uh, also before we had total clarity on the Giannis Antetokounmpo injury. So uh, bear that in mind when you listen to our friend of the program conversation coming up in a little bit uh, with Rick Kamla. But uh, we cover a wide range of topics from coaching hires to what he sees going on in the conference finals. uh, And of course, uh, talking about the Giannis injury, which at that point in time we did not have full clarification on. More on that in a minute. First off, biggest news, of course, is the Phoenix Suns are going back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993 as they went into L.A. and handled the Clippers in the second half of Game 6. Chris Paul going off for 41 points, 31 of those coming in the second half. A virtuoso performance from him and Chris Paul will be going to his first ever NBA Finals. Devin Booker in his playoff debut is going to go all the way to the conference finals. A couple of thoughts on this. Number one, really don't have uh, any preference as far as who goes on to the NBA Finals in the West. Uh, I'm a Wisconsin guy, so I'd love to see the Bucks advance to the NBA Finals and win the whole thing, but from the Western Conference standpoint, I, I was just watching for entertainment value. And having said that, I'm really happy for Monty Williams. Uh, And not just because Monty Williams is a Notre Dame guy like me. When you look at all the adversity that Monty Williams has come through in his life, for those of you who don't remember, because he wasn't a a super standout college player at Notre Dame, but he did have 
was diagnosed with with a heart issue and the Notre Dame doctors were very 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 circumspect about letting him back on the court and it took quite a while for uh, the doctors to say it's okay he he's going to be okay he can play basketball uh it, it was a long struggle for him not being able to play basketball which of course is what he wanted to do had to deal with that adversity uh went on to play in the nba uh got his coaching uh break with the san antonio spurs and along the way, his, his wife is killed in a car accident. And so he is taking care of the entire family, had to step away from the NBA for a little bit. When he came back to the NBA, he came back as an assistant coach uh, and then was hired by the Phoenix Suns, which uh, was a tremendous hire by James Jones and the Phoenix Suns organization. He's meant so much to this basketball team. And if you're around the NBA at all, and if you know folks who have had contact with Monty Williams, you know that he's a class individual. He's a faith-driven individual. And one of my favorite stories about Monty Williams involves a visit to Memphis. I'm not sure if he was with the Spurs or if he was with New Orleans or whoever, but he brought the team to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital where teams typically uh, might have a reception with uh, patients. They get a tour of the facility uh, and usually includes the blood donor room. For those of you who don't know, blood platelets are desperately needed by a lot of the patients there because they are so immunocompromised. Their platelet counts get really low because of the treatments that they have to endure for childhood cancer. Platelets are very, very expensive. Uh, if you were to buy a unit of platelets on the open market, it's about $500. Um, and you can't, you can't just throw them in the freezer. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't stay forever. So you, you've got to have a, um, a pretty regular supply of blood platelets to, to help these young people. And I remember the first time that I went to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, I was told if you want to give something other than money, platelets is probably the most valuable thing that you can give. Because if you lie, lie there... Uh, for two hours or so, and you let them get some platelets out of you, you're basically giving St. Jude 500 bucks at least. Price may have gone up since, uh, since that tour. Well, Monty Williams was on the tour. He heard that, and before the team left, he broke away from the main tour group, and he went back to the Blood Donor Center and said, I want to give platelets, like now. And uh, that always stuck with me. And Monty Williams has always been a real champion for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Quality individual. And I'm just thrilled that he's getting the opportunity to coach in the NBA Finals. Also really thrilled for Al McCoy. Al McCoy is the only voice that the Suns have ever had on the radio side. He is 88 years young. And he's going to get to call the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993. And uh, hopefully... For his sake, it would be so great if Al McCoy could get a championship ring. And uh, also very happy for my friend Tim Kempton, who works with him on radio. Tim is a Notre Dame classmate of mine from the class of 86. But really happy for Al McCoy. And, I mean, it's, it's been a dry spell for this Phoenix Suns team for a number of years. And uh, they had come under a tremendous criticism about their owner, Robert Sarver, not being willing to pay, not doing the right things management-wise, but James Jones in the front office has done the right things. And one of those right things that he has done is understanding that they've got a young core with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, and now you bring in some really good veterans like a Chris Paul and a Jay Crowder, who, oh, by the way, is going back to the NBA Finals for a second consecutive year with a different team. So if you want to get to the Finals, just be Jay Crowder's teammate, apparently. But 
I, I think that the influence of Chris Paul uh, over and above what he's been able to do or what it was able to do in game six is the fact that he has been a, a really good influence on Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton uh, had been telling everybody who'd listen that, look, uh, I was kind of lost in the wilderness, but Chris Paul and I have had some really difficult conversations where Chris has put my feet to the fire and said, look, if you really want to be good in this league, this is what you got to do. And and that that's part of the reason why DeAndre Ayton, who you could have said was a, a disappointment his first few years in the league, but he has come on and, and he was just a fantastic presence for this Phoenix Suns team in the Western Conference Finals. So, uh, you know, I know for a lot of people who are Grizzlies fans, Chris Paul is you're, – you're not you're not a big fan of Chris Paul. Not a fan of his flopping. Not a fan of his theatrics. But you can't deny the Hall of Fame ability and the way that he performed in the second half of Game 6. There's absolutely no doubting that. I mean, whether or not Phoenix wins the NBA title this season – Phoenix Suns fans will always look back at the second half of Game 6 at Staples Center. And I think it will be one of the pivotal moments in franchise history because it got them to the NBA Finals. Whether they win it or not is, is another issue. But the fact that Chris Paul played so well, was so dominant in that second half, I think is going to be something that Phoenix Suns fans are going to remember and talk about for a very, very long time. As far as the Clippers, Paul George, interesting comments as I started to read uh, read the articles uh, this morning saying, well, you know, if we had Kawhi Leonard, we'd be moving on. Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, Phoenix played really well. Would Kawhi Leonard have made a difference? Absolutely, positively. But you can't guarantee that the Clippers would have gone on because Devin Booker had a great series. Um, statistically, maybe not what we're used to seeing from him but was effective. Chris Paul, obviously, uh, down the stretch was was remarkable. DeAndre Ayton, very good as well. We saw campaign come in when when CP3 wasn't available, and he was dynamic as well. So, you know, Paul George saying, well, you know, if we have Kawhi, then we're moving on. It, it's nice to say what if, but the fact of the matter is that the Clippers are going home. So the Western Conference Finals team is set in the Phoenix Suns. In the Eastern Conference, we're getting ready for game number five between the Atlanta Hawks uh, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And I thought Giannis Antetokounmpo had the right tone when he said, look, we just played with our food in game four. This is a Bucks team that really, really could have landed a knockout blow and, and gotten themselves set up in real good position to go on to the NBA Finals to face the Phoenix Suns. The Giannis Antetokounmpo injury, and again, when we talk with Rick Hamill a little bit later on, that, that was recorded before we got clarity. And, and even the clarity that was provided is, is not really there. Uh, the official Bucks press release simply said that uh, an MRI was done and it confirmed the initial diagnosis of a hyperextension. Well, hyperextension is something that happens. The question is, was there any damage to ligaments in the knee? The official Bucks press release does not mention whether or not there was damage. However, there were reports widely circulated, Woj bomb, um, that there was no structural damage. Yet the Bucks initially listed Giannis as doubtful for Game Five. Doubt he very much he would play in Game Five. They just simply said the timetable for his return is unknown at this point. So. Still an element of mystery about it, uh, and so there's a lot of speculation. Will he play in Game 5? Well, he's probably not. Will he play later in the series? If the Bucks are able to get past 
Atlanta. Would he play in the finals? A lot of unknowns there. So we'll have to see exactly how all that plays out. Um, Can Milwaukee advance without Giannis? That's one of the questions that we posed to Rick Kamla, and he'll answer that uh, in a little bit. I think it's a 50-50 ball. This Hawks team may be a team of destiny there, and, and particularly if they get Trey Young back for Game Five, and Giannis is not there for Game Five, uh, will Milwaukee be able to to elevate their play? And they're going to have to rely very, very heavily on Chris Middleton, who has been sensational uh, since the uh, end of the Brooklyn series. But can he do it all by himself? He's he's going to need some help uh, in order to get Milwaukee past the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, also want to, uh, before we go over to Rick Kamla and get our friend of the program, I, a shout out to a very good friend of mine and one of the classiest guys in the NBA. Mark Zumoff has been the television voice of the Philadelphia 76ers for 27 years. And before that, he was the halftime host for, I think, about 11 years on Philadelphia television. He announced uh, somewhat suddenly his retirement from the 76ers and NBC Sports Philadelphia. He is leaving on his own terms. In fact, the morning of the announcement, I got a text about 7 o'clock in the morning uh, saying, look, I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm going to be announcing my retirement. Keep it under wraps until the official press release comes out. But uh, for those of you who have League Pass and you've watched the Philadelphia 76ers, you know that uh, Zoo does a great, great job with Ala Abdelnabi uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers telecasts. Really a class guy. Uh, one of the things that Mark would always do is, you know, the NBA rule book can, can go on rather long and into a lot of detail. Mark would work on basically a Cliff Notes version of the NBA rule book. He would make sure that the league office had a chance to look at it. Joey Crawford would look at it. And, and Zoo would then send it to all of us as broadcasters and say, look, here's, here's, here's the dumbed down version. Here's the Cliff Notes version uh, of the NBA rules. And, as such, it, it's just one small example of what a great guy Mark Zumoff is. Wish him very well in his retirement. Uh, Zoo is a renaissance man. He has a number of interests above and beyond sports and basketball. And he just wanted to indulge those interests and spend some more time with his wife and with his family. And uh, certainly can't blame him for that. But we're cer- certainly going to miss Mark uh, on the NBA trail. Bill Worrell. The TV voice of the Houston Rockets also retiring this year. Marv Albert is retiring this year. And Jim Paschke, the longtime TV voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, is also stepping away from the microphone. So uh, when we uh, do get back out on the road, uh, we will have some new members of the uh, colleagueship of uh, NBA broadcasters. So uh, Mark Zumoff, really appreciate all you've done for the league and for the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, like I said, you will be missed, but you always have an open invitation to come to Memphis. And, uh, and play golf, because now you're going to have a lot more free time than you did in the past. guy who uh, probably doesn't get a, a chance to play a whole lot of golf is Rick Kamla, because he is very busy with a daily radio show on Sirius XM NBA Radio Channel 86. In our conversation, we talk about a number of things. We talk about coaching changes. We talk about whether or not Becky Hammond is going to finally get an NBA head coaching job after many, many interviews. And we also get his thoughts on the conference finals. Today's friend of the program is Rick Kamla. Rick, as we record this, we don't know the status of Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Milwaukee Bucks going forward in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, let's assume that he's not able to finish out this series. Are the Bucks 
championship hopes completely toast at this point, if that's the case? Pete, I don't think they are. And there are mitigating factors um, that, that are going on with the Bucks and, and Hawks, obviously. You've got the Trey Young uh, deep bone bruise. Will he be able to come back in game five? I kind of sort of think he's going to play in game five, but obviously we don't know yet. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is out for that team. Um, you think about, you know, on the other side, obviously Phoenix is now full, but they they were hit with the, the COVID thing with Paul. Uh, the Clippers don't have a Baca. They don't have, um, obviously, Kawhi Leonard, their major player. They're making it work. And and I actually have optimism that the Bucks will, I don't know if they're going to be able to make it work, but I'm not going to say that it's impossible because of watching the Clippers and what they are doing. Pete, I thought there was no way the Clippers were going to win game five at Utah Finding out about the Kawhi Leonard news on the day of that game, Utah, the best home court advantage in the entire NBA, uh, statistically, and, and with the feel test and the ear test, because you, you tune into these games, and my God, it's so loud you can't even, you can't even think and you're at home on your couch. And L.A. went up there and won that game and then closed them out in game six. So I would definitely be betting everything I got against Milwaukee without Giannis had I not seen what I saw with the L.A. Clippers. And I know they're two different teams, but the Clippers have a very deep uh, and, and very versatile roster, offensive players, defensive players, um, and in and, and Milwaukee, deep team. They've got defensive-minded guys, offensive-minded guys. So I don't think they would win it all, Pete, without Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I won't sit here right now and tell you that it's impossible. Sure, and, and part of that is going to have to be the coaching workaround that they may have to do. Um, is Mike Budenholzer being criticized unfairly or unjustly? Some people saying that he could be on the hot seat, particularly if, if they come up short and they're, they're not lifting the Larry O'Brien trophy when this is all done. Is it, is it, is that justified all the criticism and the potential loss of his job? Is that really justified? You know, I think it's, I think it's fair to put him on the hot seat, Pete. I really do. Because, you know, you win the uh, regular season last year, fall short. You win the regular season the year before, and you fall short. And in both of those years, you had the MVP of the league. And in one of those years, you had the MVP in the DPOY, and you fell short. And so now, coming back uh, for this uh, last year, and I believe he has one year left on his deal, and they have not, you know, renewed it, extended it. Um, so it's sort of pre-lame duck status for Coach Bud. That's writing on the wall that you need to deliver right now, or we're probably going to hit the escape hatch, pay you out that final year of your deal or not. Uh, if you get a new coaching job and then it sort of offsets um, and we just say goodbye to you and there would be another coaching job for coach, Bud. but Pete, the plot thickens because now that Giannis Antetokounmpo might have a significant knee injury. I Pete, I don't think Giannis is going to play again in these playoffs. I don't. And like Pete said, we don't know right now as we're talking the extent of the injury. And I frankly don't know if we will. We still don't know the extent of Kawhi Leonard's injury. Teams are very guarded with, with personal information always, but especially during the playoffs. I That was a severe hyperextension of his knee. I don't think he's going to play again in these playoffs. And if he doesn't, Coach Bud's kind of got a built-in pass, right? You beat Brooklyn. And shocked the world doing that. Nobody thought they were going to beat Brooklyn. So you've got that sort of feather in your cap. And now you've got the built-in excuse and, and pass with, uh, with Giannis Antetokounmpo going out. And you also don't have Dante DiVincenzo. So the plot thickens. Um, Pete, to ball it all up and give you an answer, I think the injury to Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, uh, it, it behooves Mike Budenholzer in keeping this job. I think it actually, ironically, makes makes him more stable and secure with Milwaukee than if Giannis were healthy and then they lose.
And could you imagine if they were able to pull off a series win and maybe even the championship without Giannis, then, then obviously coach Bud is, uh, is in really, really good. Let's shift over to the Western conference finals here. Um, what the Clippers have done, I think has been remarkable. And you, you've outlined some of that, particularly without Kawhi Leonard's and uh, Kawhi Leonard and, and, and Serge Ibaka. Paul George has come in for all kinds of criticism, you know, playoff P and, and all this, that, and the other. Even if the Clippers don't win this series, and if Phoenix advances to the NBA Finals, can do you think people will finally shut up about Paul George? Because I think he has he really has stepped up his game in the West Finals. I, I think it's an amazing question, uh, and the answer is no. Pete, the answer is no. Because people love to eviscerate Paul George on Twitter. It's It's like one of their favorite things to do. And so even if Paul George somehow shocks the world and, and leads the Clippers over the Suns and wins the gold ball. Wait until Paul George has a three of 18 game from the field in the 2021, 22 season. And he will once again be, Oh, pandemic P and playoff P and all this kind of stuff. And Pete, look, Paul George has given us not, we're not Twitter trolls, Pete. We're professionals. Okay. Um, the Twitter trolls, it is what it is. They, they don't need a reason to go in on somebody. They just need a Tuesday night and the phone in their hand. Guys like you and me, though, are analysts, okay, and, and we're professional. And to us, and I don't want to speak for you, Pete, but for me, Paul George, um, after losing Game 7 in the bubble and, and, and running from the championship or bust expectations and saying that we don't have internal championship or bust expectations here, well, yeah, you did. And so why are you running from that? I didn't like that. Um, you throw Doc Rivers under the bus with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes of the All the Smoke podcast saying he's using me like J.J. Redick. He never made adjustments, on and on and on. And so, and never said I was a part of the problem, never pointed any of the blame at him, basically just threw a future Hall of Fame coach and Doc Rivers under the bus. I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like this year, Pete, when Paul George in games would settle for jumper after jumper after jumper and go to the free throw line once or two times, they would lose and then come out after the game and bury the referees. All right. In the NBA, uh, uh, it, when that accumulated to a point, he didn't do that once. He did that like three times. And the NBA dinged him $35,000 because of it. And so he has given us reason, um, us professionals, reasons to criticize him fairly, but criticize him. And guess what, Pete? The run that he's gone on in these playoffs, 20-plus in every game, all the 30-plus point games, winning in Utah, uh, winning in Phoenix in Game 5 with a playoff career-high 41 points. He's never been better than he is right now, and I have been throwing nothing but bouquets of flowers at his feet throughout these playoffs because he has earned it and he deserves it. But you are, you're right about the past history and the lack of – well, I don't know, taking responsibility for when things go wrong. And that's really hard to be a leader in the locker room if you don't take responsibility when, when things go wrong. I thought it was interesting. Isaiah Thomas uh, on NBA TV was talking about Ty Lue and the job that he has done with the Clippers. And Isaiah Thomas, for whom I have great respect and I've worked with Isaiah several times, said, I think in Ty Lue, we're, we're looking at perhaps a Bill Belichick type in the making. That's a pretty strong praise. Now, having said that, I think Ty Lue has pushed all the right buttons in order to, to get back in the series and to come back in other series to win series. Is that praise for Ty Lue totally justified? Well, I, it is and it isn't. Uh, it is in that Bill Belichick is one of the 
Bill Belichick is not afraid to coach his team. He is not afraid to step on toes and hurt feelings to coach his team to get a win on that Sunday or that Monday night or in that playoff scenario. He doesn't give a damn about how you feel about his coaching decisions. And neither does Teron Lou. Teron Lou is going to take you from a 35-minute starter to you're getting no minutes and you're out of the rotation. He's not afraid to coach his team. And Ty Lue has pushed more buttons successfully than any coach in these playoffs. He has been the best coach in these playoffs, and it's not even close. Because you think about in the Dallas series, Pete, um, you probably like me and Antonio over on give and go, we're screaming at him to change up his defense on Luca. And he didn't do it until game six, but he did it. And he changed the series with it. He went small against Dallas. He went small against Utah when Dallas was going big and Utah was going big. Uh, when Kawhi went down, he inserted Terrence Mann into the starting lineup, 13 in game five at Utah, 39 in game six at home against Utah. That worked out pretty darn well. Sicking Pat Beverly on Devin Booker in game two of the West Finals has taken Booker's shooting from game one, a 40-point triple-double on great shooting. Game two, three, and four, Booker has shot 33% from the floor. The adjustments by Teron Lue have been amazing and consistent. To, to compare him, though, like, to me, loosely, apples to oranges, eggplant to broccoli. <laughs> I could understand a, a comparison with him and Bill Belichick. But the thing with Bill Belichick, Pete, and, and you know this, I, I know you're a multi-sports guy. Bill Belichick is the GOAT of NFL head coaches. The GOAT. He's the Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich of their game. More than Hallis, more than Shula, more than Noel, more than Landry, more than all the great coaches in, in, in NFL history. Um, he's the guy. And so Teron Lou's got one championship, right? Phil has, I think it's 13, some crazy number like that. Red's got like 11. Pop's got five. I think Riley's got five. So um, he's not a Mount Rushmore guy yet. I'm not even sure, Pete, if I'm willing to put Teron Lou in the top five of, of coaches in today's game. But I'll tell you what, he would be number six. He would be just outside of that top five. And if he wins this championship, he would vault right into the top five. Uh, and then you can maybe have a discussion. Is he the best head coach in the NBA today? Uh, but let's see where this goes. Let's see. But that, but that's that's my view on the Belichick comparison. Gotcha. We're visiting with Rick Kamla. He is our friend of the program today on the Grizz Weekly Grind. You can catch him weekdays on Sirius XM NBA Radio. That's Channel 86, along with uh, a guy I used to cover when he was with the Portland Trailblazers for a little bit, Antonio Daniels. That airs at 1 o'clock Eastern on Sirius XM NBA Radio. I'm always fascinated about coaches. And we've had so many coaching openings this year. Uh, the Chauncey Billups hire in Portland, uh, the press conference uh, was, was, was a bit of a mess because of, of Chauncey's past history and one of the questions being deflected and he wasn't allowed to answer. Is the Billups hire a good hire in the Pacific Northwest with Damian Lillard wanting to, hey, look, I, I got to win a championship. I, I, I can't get out of the first round more often than not. I think it's a great hire, and uh, I'm happy for Chauncey because he has waited. He's had offers, and he waited for the right situation, and he's got it. And, and I think he's in a great situation uh, with Portland with a, with a star player who preferred his presence there, and I think that's a huge reason why Chauncey got this job. Uh, Dane mentioned Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. Kidd, um, like the day after we heard that news from Chris Haynes of Yahoo!, Kid took himself out of the running. And I speculated correctly at the time, Jason Kidd knows that he's got another job waiting. Why would you pull yourself out of the Portland job? It's a great job. The sure. super talented team 
It's a it's a, a one man band, uh, you know, only show in town type of thing in Portland. Great fan base up. Why would you want to pull out of that? especially when the star player and you have the Oakland ties with him. So I kind of knew that Jason Kidd had something uh, in his back pocket. And of course it comes out that he did and he's got the Dallas job now. Um, Pete, just on the, the covering of that press conference. And, uh, and I was very uh, passionate and, and Antonio was as well on today's give and go show. Blazers PR did nothing wrong. Okay. And so the, the, they allowed the media to ask Neil Olshay and Chauncey Billups about the alleged incident in 1997. Neil Olshay attacked it head on and said that we had an independent investigation and, and vetted it and dotted every I and crossed every T. Chauncey Billups spoke for a minute and 40 seconds, not 20 seconds, not 30 seconds, almost two minutes, bearing his basketball soul, bearing his humanity to God in the world about the impact and the ripple effects of the alleged incident in 1997 on his life. And so the reporter from The Athletic says, how and why did that impact your life? He just told you how and why that incident impacted the rest of his life in great detail. So I had no problem with Blazers PR saying the question's already been asked and it's already been answered. And so let's move on to other questions. And I think a lot of people are getting that twisted, Pete, that Blazers PR is, is and it's clandestine and, and they're, they're, they're running and hiding from the topic and uh, shielding Neil Olshay from the decision and Chauncey from his past. And it's a joke. It's just not the truth. And so the portrayal of this and all kinds of people with the blue dot by their name on Twitter, Pete, going in on the Blazers and they're irresponsible and people's names and jobs should be called into play. I think it's all a bunch of garbage. OK, the Blazers met the issue head on. They, they gave the media what the media wanted and needed. And so to go in and like like a buzzard on roadkill and continue to pick at it, it it's too much. And so I'm totally with Blazers PR uh, cutting off that last question by the athletic reporter. Gotcha. Now, uh, what about Becky Hammond? I mean, she's getting interviewed for a lot of jobs, is not getting the jobs. And I thought it was Julie DeCaro on Deadspin said, okay, we don't need any more of these gratuitous mercy interviews, you know, just to say that we included a woman in our coaching search. Does Becky Hammond get a job other than the San Antonio job when Greg Popovich decides to hang it up? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that her scope and respect level has gone beyond just being groomed for the Greg Popovich job. She made history, and P, you know this, Becky Hammond made history becoming the first female finalist for an NBA head coaching job. And I think I read a, a job either for hockey, football, or baseball as well in terms of the big four sports that we have here in America. So she's already made history. And Becky Hammond's time is coming. She will be a head coach in this league someday. I don't know when. I, I don't have a crystal ball uh, you know, or a genie that's coming out of the bottle to tell me when that's going to happen. Um, you know, to the thing that Deadspin said, I, I, I don't agree with the portrayal of that. I do not think that the Blazers, um, think about it. If, if the Blazers just interviewed her and she was a part of the process um, and was not a finalist, I wouldn't be thinking this. But at that point, if somebody else would want to say, oh, it was just, you're just checking a box of, of diversity and, and, you know, gender equality, and you're just checking a box. You you weren't, your heart wasn't really in it, right? Like, you could theorize that. I'm not theorizing that. Um, but, you know, some of the critics out there could. 
She was a finalist for the job. Right. This she met with a, Jody Allen. Right. Yeah. Right. This was not a, a, a mercy situation or um, a ceremonial you know, situation. She was literally about to get this job. And uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't know what job she's going to get, Pete. And if and I don't know how long Greg Popovich is going to coach. But to your just your point, um, I, I used to think that that. Uh, you know, it was going to take a long time for her to get this job just based on the sensibilities of America and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I think she's right knocking on the door of getting that job. And I think that the scope has gone beyond just San Antonio. Um, and I think, you know, Orlando uh, may make the decision with their opening to go ahead and give her this job. Uh, you know, Don Staley's name has came up. Teresa Witherspoon's name has come up. So it's not just Becky Hammond, which is awesome. Um, the, the ripple effects. I mean, she's a bit of a pioneer in this, but there are other really, really bright and, and respected and worthy candidates uh, from from the ranks of, of women. Um, and I mean, I I would say right now, Pete, I don't know this, but it seems like about half the teams in the league have a female assistant on their staff or at least in a high ranking, you know, uh, uh, front office type of position. Um, the movement is on for sure. And it's only a matter of time before Becky and or Don and or Teaspoon get a job. Yeah, and and Kara Lawson was an assistant there with the go, Boston Celtics, and she would she would be outstanding. Although right now I think she's pretty well ensconced uh, at Duke. It was interesting. I was talking with a, a talk show host here in Memphis, and we were ha- we were talking about the same same topic. And he said, "Well, do you really think that players would respect the Becky Hammond?" And I'm like, "Look, uh, yeah, uh, players talk to one another, and it's I think the respect for Becky Hammond goes far beyond the boundaries of the Alamo City. I think that if you talk with with any player in the NBA that has had contact with anybody in San Antonio, I think that they would tell you that they have great respect for her her basketball knowledge and 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 her ability. And so I don't see it being an issue with a male NBA player saying, well, she's a woman, so I'm not going to listen to her. I, I just, I think, I think we've gone way beyond that. I totally agree. And here's the thing um, that uh, Don Staley and Teaspoon and Becky Hammond have in common. They were ballers in their, uh, in their life, right? Ballers, like really, really good players. And so I, I know that, um, and I, I'm, I don't speak for all men, uh, ball players. But I know that there's a real love and connectivity and fraternity between the men's game and the women's game. You see on Twitter, you know, uh, an NBA ball player is at a WNBA game and, and you see it a lot yeah, and, a and, you see, and you see them very excited about being there and very engaged. And and so I, I think that there's not like this wall up in this divide. I think it's it's a family. It's one big family, the W and the NBA. Uh, it's players, the coaches, the shot callers, all the way up to the league office. Um, it's one big happy family. It's not like this entity over here and this entity over here. Uh, they're very adjoined and very connected. Um, and there's a lot of mutual respect. And so, um, and, and but it, but it's very very important that uh, Don Staley and Carol Lawson and, and all of these ladies were big time ballers. And and I think that um, is 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 important in terms of gaining that respect and keeping that respect. Uh, with male ball players, and, uh, and and so it, it really behooves them, and it's one of the reasons I think eventually they're going to get these jobs is because they have poured that blood, sweat, and tears out on the ninety-four by fifty, and I think the the male players of the NBA really respect that. Yeah, that, that's that's a great point. We had Neil Ivy here in Memphis for a year, and John Morant just absolutely adored working with her, respected the heck out of her, and of course Neil is going to be totally ensconced at Notre Dame 
following Muffin McGraw. But if Neil Ivy decided someday she wanted to be an NBA head coach, that uh, that would not be beyond the realm of possibility. Um, what do you hear about some of the open jobs? Orlando remains open. Penny Hardaway uh, taking his name out of the mix. He'll stay with the University of Memphis. And, oh, by the way, uh, hire Larry Brown as an assistant coach. You've got the Pelicans opening, the Wizards opening. What are you hearing about the coaching carousel right now? Um, great question. Uh, to me, Kenny Atkinson makes a lot of sense for the Orlando job. I, you know what, I, Rick? I am a huge Kenny Atkinson fan. As a player development me. guy, oh, my goodness. I thought the job he did in Brooklyn with that group was fantastic. And I know when he got hired, I was like, yeah, okay, assistant coach. No, I thought I thought he did a tremendous job. I think he's a great fit in Orlando because they're going to need player development with that very, very young team. But I interrupted you, Rick. I won't do that again, I <laughs> promise. But I, like no. I said, I'm a big Kenny Atkinson guy. No, I love it. And uh, you can interrupt me anytime to sing the praises of Kenny Atkinson, who's an awesome human being as well. Um, I was covering a Knicks uh, real training camp for NBA TV way back in the day. Mike D'Antoni was still the head coach of the Knicks. And, uh, and Kenny Atkinson was their player development guy at the time. And the first I ever heard of Kenny Atkinson was at that shoot. And, and I, I, can't, I can't remember who, uh, it might have been a Knicks official, singing the praises of Kenny Atkinson. Uh, and I think we had Mike D'Antoni over and he dropped his name as well. And uh, some insiders I talked to were like, no, Kenny Atkinson's a badass. He is going to do big, big things in his future. And, of course, um, he has. I do think that there are bigger things in his future once he gets back into the head coaching ranks. But Orlando is in T-mode, wink, wink, and, and they're rebuilding, and they got a long way to go. They need a developmental type of coach. And Kenny Atkinson needs to get back in. And I, I would hope that the governorship of Orlando would give Kenny a long, long leash in that job because it's going to be a long, long time before they're relevant and competitive. Um, the New Orleans job, very interesting that uh, Jacques Vaughn uh, has taken himself out of the running for any of these positions based on uh, wanting to spend more time with family. So he'll stay with Brooklyn as an assistant. Charles Lee, assistant with the Bucks, was named as sort of a co-leader to get the Pelicans job. Well, Vaughn is out. So Charles Lee, based on what I'm hearing and what I know, I can't guarantee he'll get the job. But it sounds like he's the front runner for that job right now. Um, and and we'll, we'll see more about that in, in the days, maybe weeks to come. And in terms of the, uh, the Washington job, uh, it kind of sounds like, Pete, it's going to come down to a couple of guys who both have uh, major ties to that franchise. Sam Cassell, uh, who I've been going to bat for as a head coach for many, many years. And I will be really excited if he gets this gig. Uh, watching him in just summer leagues, um, being the head coach of teams at the Las Vegas Summer League, he has a real presence about him. Um, and he's he's got like that smile that the really engaging, charming smile. And he's also got that fire and that badass where he can put a boot in the butt. And I think he walks that delicate fine line between tough love and putting an arm around a guy uh, better than a lot of people do. Three time champion, huge fan of him as a player. And he's a great dude. Um, but as I say that, Wes Unsell Jr. is ready. And Wes Unsell Jr. It needs a head coaching job. Um, he's uh, Mike Malone's top assistant in Denver. He's a stud. And, uh, and he's got ties to Washington, um, obviously uh, coaching-wise, but also going back to his dad, uh, right. who's arguably the greatest uh, Washington player of all time. So um, it sounds like it's going to come down to one of those two guys. And I don't want to sound like I'm fanboy right here. I, I, I think either hiring would be great. Uh, it's just that I, I've been saying for years that Sam Cassell is ready and needs this opportunity to be a head coach. And it'd be cool for him, right? You'd have Bradley Beal. You'd have Russell Westbrook. You've got all these nice young players. Um, that, would be, that wouldn't be like some – 
some, you know, rebuilding job, Pete, where you're a long way out from winning. I think Sam Cassell could do some rather big things with Washington right away. I think Sam would be an excellent choice for them. And I've always felt if you're going to get a former player as a head coach, Steve Nash may be an exception, and then there are probably others. I think if you have a guy who is a good, solid role player, oh, like maybe a Teron Liu, uh, I think they, they make the best NBA head coaches, a, a role player moving, moving into that. And Wes Unseld, look, you, you are learning from Malone. I, I'm a huge, huge Mike Malone fan. I, I just think he has done a wonderful job there. And for me, I go back, and I think the last smart thing that the Sacramento Kings franchise did was hire Mike Malone. And then his dismissal was, was kind of the, uh, the beginning of, of their tailspin. One last thing for you, Rick. A lot of conversation now. The injuries, Trey Young, uh, obviously Giannis, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard. There have been others. Is this re- – is this- just bad circumstance, or is it the fact that there was a compressed schedule, which, by the way, the Players Union did sign off on in addition to the owners? It's the million-dollar question, and it's so case-by-case, Pete. I think you can point to some of these injuries and say that the condensed schedule and and the the short offseason maybe led to some of the soft-tissue injuries that we have seen. Uh, James Harden and Anthony Davis immediately come to mind with that. Although James had a long off season, his team lost in the second round very quickly to LA in the bubble. And of course, James came in woefully out of shape, trying to sort of, he almost went like Scotty Pippen on the, on the Rockets, right? Like Scotty that year was mad about his contract and waited till the year to have his surgery. And I felt like James was mad with Houston and said, all right, well, I'm just going to come in, uh, you know, with Matt, with dad bod and, uh, and work my way into shape throughout the season. Um, and, and so that was a little bit baked into that as well. The Anthony Davis thing, short off season for the champs and, and soft tissue injuries haunted him ever since that game against Denver, when he uh, messed up his lower right leg. Um, then there's a lot of other situations, Pete, where the condensed schedule and the short off season had nothing to do with it. Kawhi Leonard falls on Giannis's foot. Okay. Uh, uh, Giannis falls, um, you know, last night, based on when we're talking here, um, non-contact thing, just landed wrong, hyperextended his knee. Okay. That has nothing to do with the, with the shortened season. Um, Trey Young steps on the foot of a referee. What the hell did the, the condensed schedule or the short off season have exactly. to do with that? Yeah. So it's very, it's very case by case, Pete. Um, but you know, I mean, for the conspiracy theorists, You've got the shortest offseason. You've got the most condensed schedule in league history, and you've got the most injury hit season in league history. So I'm not smart enough. I'm not scientific enough to draw all those connections, but I know some people are doing that. And so, and so the, it, it is what it is, but I'm here right now. I'm on a case by case basis with all these injuries. And the bottom line, Pete, is that these injuries suck. <laughs> and I wish yeah. that all of our guys were in bubble wrap and healthy. And, uh, but, but as we know, that's not the reality of sports. Yeah, no, I, I think looking at it and on a case by case basis is, is certainly a wise way to do it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can put COVID in the rear view mirror and we can go forward with an 82 game schedule starting more or less on time in the fall. And, uh, and, and, and hopefully the injuries will go away. The thing about Kawhi Leonard, as you said, I mean, that, that was an accident. And I don't know that there was a player in the NBA this year who was more load managed than Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I mean that they 
practically did put him in bubble wrap in, in Los <laughs> Angeles, you know? So uh, Rick Kamla has been our friend of the program today on the Grizz weekly grind. You can catch him weekdays, one Eastern along with Antonio Daniels on Sirius XM NBA radio channel 86. Rick, it is always good to connect with you. Uh, always great, great conversation. Love the show. Uh, please give my best to, uh, to AD. I enjoyed uh, our interactions uh, when, when we were both in Portland uh, several lifetimes ago, it seems. Pete, it's my pleasure. Uh, Paul, anytime I'd be happy to come back on. We always love having you on Give and Go as a guest. And uh, major shout out to the great Brevin Knight, one of the great guys in this business. And so please pass along uh, well wishes for me to uh, the great Brevin Knight. And Pete, be well. We'll talk soon. Sounds good, Rick. Thanks so much. Great conversation with Rick, as always. Certainly enjoy his radio show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. You should check it out. One o'clock Eastern. 12 o'clock Central, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Channel 86. Today's show has been brought to you by Hoop City Basketball Club. They have a summer camp, the Desmond Bain Shooting Camp. The second edition will take place July 26th through the 29th for ages 5 to 14. Uh, registration closes on the 26th, but these, do, these camps do tend to sell out, so make sure that you get your young person registered. If you register uh, before on or before July 1st, uh, the price is $225. If you register after that date, July 2nd or later, $295. Uh, they'll, they also have an option to buy lunch for $30. That's good for the week as an add-on. What do you get? A couple of Grizzlies game tickets, 28 hours of expert instruction with drills, skill development contests, and games. You get a camp t-shirt. There'll be an end-of-camp award ceremony with a certificate of achievement presented, and there's a whole lot more. Um, as I said, this camp probably will sell out, so uh, Make sure that uh, you take advantage of the opportunity. Get a hold of Scott Robinson. He's at 317-490-5948, or you can email Scott at hoopcitycamps at yahoo.com to get your young person registered for the Desmond Bain shooting camp number two. That is a wrap for episode 48 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.